first reading is from Jeremiah, the 33rd chapter. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The psalmody for today is Psalm 25, verses 1 through 10. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is from First Thessalonians, the third chapter. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts, blameless in holiness before our God and Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus, with all his saints. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 21st chapter. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of heaven will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. 
Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. He told him a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Alright, so once again, in order to help you figure out what uh, I'm up to for the day, here's a sermon point in advance. Understanding of what is happening and experience with what is happening can lead us to a place of hope. Now, biblically saying that, uh, a biblical understanding of what's happening or what's going to happen, experience in and with God now, can lead Christ followers, no matter what is happening in their lives in the world to come, to a place of hope. Now, this first season of the church year, as we said earlier, was named Advent. Advent is all about preparations. The preparations for the coming of Jesus a second time. The first coming was what we celebrate now as the nativity of our Lord. We celebrate at that the Christ Mass. But the second coming is when He returns as Lord and King and He will establish a new kingdom and a new earth, a new heaven. That happens sometime in the future. No one knows when. If anybody presumes to tell you that they know when, just discount them because they don't know what they're talking about. Jesus said, I don't know. The angels don't know. Only the Father knows. So if the angels and Jesus don't know, there's probably nobody on earth that's going to know, right? So just discount them. Now, as we know, this celebration of Christmas, it's a winter celebration. It's almost around the time of the year where it's literally the darkest day of the year. That's when it was kind of tagged originally. The darkest day of the year, God's light will break in in Jesus, right? Now, there was a time that I would rather not celebrate Christmas because it meant winter was a part of the package, See, I, though I really hoped for Santa and all the gifts he would bring, and though I greatly enjoyed all the Christmas sweets and treats that come around the Christmas season, I could not get past the harshness of winter. Now, that's, uh, that confession should really not come much as a surprise, because a lot of you know that I was born in Panama. Panama is 1,900 miles south of us. From northwest Iowa, where my family is at, it's about 2,500 miles south south of us. Christmas in Panama? Oh, it's warm. It's sunny. It's about the same temperature all year round with the exception of a rainy season, I guess. Beautiful beaches, water temperatures, just right. Shorts, bare feet, freedom from all that constrictive and unnecessary apparel, sandboxes, green leaves, green trees, shade trees, Santa and sweets, Panama and Christmas. 
Christmas in Northern Iowa? Cold, long nights, gray days, windy, dirty black snow along the sides of the roads, careful walking because of ice, no green grass, no green leaves, a sandbox, it's just a gritty chunk of ice, block of ice. You wear a thick layer of clothes in the house, and you wear three layers of clothes when you go outside the house, and everything but your eyes are covered. It is a clothing prison. My mom once shared a story then with this in mind about my first winter back in the States. Accurate or not, yeah, I might be embellishing a little bit today. This is what I'll remember. Army provided transportation to get us back to the States. Parents get in the car and they begin a long trip back to northern Iowa. I'm in the car, probably mostly sleeping, maybe fussing that we're not there yet. But either the way, eventually I wake up, we're there. The car horn's laid on, we pull into the drive. People I've never met are pouring out of a house. My parents quickly get out of the car and they're hugging on everybody, their beloved family. I guess I didn't want to be left behind, so I climb out of the car too. I begin my run towards mom and these people I need to know. And um, about five or six steps into this run, I'm coming to a complete stop. And there, in Iowa's wintry snow, I'm overwhelmed by winter. Overwhelmed. I had never felt the sting of cold air on exposed skin. I've never felt the shocking sensation of, of ice, the snow stuff on my skin. I tried to wipe it off as it was like a, a swarm of stinging fire ants, but it didn't work. This evil stinging white power, it clung to me. I stand there between a warm car and a warm house, attacked by winter, and I scream. A terrified little boy's scream of winter. Now, my parents, they had experienced, they had a lot of experience with winter. They were born and raised there. They understood winter. They wore shoes, long sleeved shirts, jackets, pants. They knew that they can endure a brief cold from a warm car to a warm house. But their little Panama child didn't have experience. And I didn't have understanding. I step out without shoes, gloves, or head cover. I lack a single moment of Northland winter experience. I lack understanding. And I was overwhelmed. Mother quickly runs to pick up her little boy, rescue him from the attack of winter. I get inside the warm house. Thank God for mothers. Thank God for warm houses. Now, I share that story with two reasons. One is just kind of fun. You know, you, you kind of get to know a little bit about my background and playfulness, but you also get to know how to understand the guy who stands before you every week and with you and shares life with you. Who is he and where does he come from? How do you interpret what I say and what I mean, right? It's kind of nice to get to know each other that way. But the most important reason why I share that with you is the second reason. That people in times of worldly trouble of all ages... When, when we are meeting troubles, when we're meeting a surprising or uncontrollable situation and is looming before us, we can either respond to that with hope or with fear. Right? 
people, when we approach God's judgment day, and whether it's just the end of our life and we go to sleep here and we wake up there, or whether it's Jesus coming in the clouds and we get to see that. Either way, when we approach God's judgment day, we can approach that either with fear or with hope. Now, a Christian understanding and a Christian experience is greatly beneficial, if not needed, when we are facing the life challenges before us. And I'll say also that Christian understanding and Christian experience is greatly beneficial, if not needed, when facing the day of Jesus' return as George and Judge and Lord of all. The understanding part. Jesus tells us that many will lack understanding as the first heaven and the first earth are shaken. Many will lack understanding when they watch this world coming to an end and they see only the Word of God remaining. In our Gospel lesson, Jesus offers us a stark contrast of human reactions to that time. There will be the people who react with fear to it. And there will be the believers who react with hope. The end of time signs will happen. In many ways, they've been continuing, have been happening and continue to happen. They'll just increase with intensity. Jesus tells his friends that global and cosmic events that are out of our control, and humans don't like that, we want control, that are out of our control, they will happen. That there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and across the earth. There will be confusion in the nations and the peoples because of the roaring of the waves and the seas. There will be distress among all nations. Jesus then tells us that human response to these uncontrollable events will be quite different. Those who lack understanding to what is happening, those who lack God understanding, he talks about that in verse 26. He says, the people will faint. They will die from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the earth. That's one reaction because of a lack of understanding. However, to those who believe in the Son of God, those who know Him and those who, who understand His Lordship in their lives and His creation, their response will be different. He says this in verse 28, they will stand up and they will raise up their heads because redemption is drawing near. I don't know about you, but to me, that is a huge difference in response to the very same events. If only for that reason, I would want to know Jesus, right? I want to know His Word. I want to read it. I want to be familiar with it. I want to make it part of my life. I want to approach the blessings of life as well as the hardships of life with Jesus with hope that I will know Him, I will know His promises, and I will experience His presence. So I won't be the fearful. I'll be the hopeful with my head up. That's why it's important for us to gather in God's house each and every week. Here in the worship service, we read God's Word together. We hear of His wisdom. We, we are touched upon with His life lessons. His coaching, His advice, His instructions about the way of life here that's blessed and the way of heaven that's blessed. Every week, we can seek God's understanding so that all of us can approach the blessings of life and the hardships of life with His promise and His presence and hope.
Now, here's another understanding. It's kind of another takeaway related to this understanding. Advent events, as mentioned by Jesus, they've been happening since the beginning of time. He says they will continue to happen with greater intensity. Human responses to events have been in many ways in the, fallen, in the two categories, fear or hope. But today Jesus is telling His friends, He's telling you and He's telling me. He's saying, I know about these things. And now, so do you. You don't have to understand how or why they happen. Simply understand that my Father is Lord of all creation. He loves you and has beautiful plans for you. He knows all about these events that are going to come and for whatever it's worth, He's not overwhelmed by them. So you, don't fear. Trust your Father. Place your hope in Him. Because with Him, it's going to be okay. That brings us to the experience part. The best analogy of Advent experience that I could, I could come up with was based on a Fram oil filter commercial. I know it's a little off, but work with me. The Day of Judgment is a little like that old oil commercial, filter commercial. It's that if the commercial said this, you can pay me now or you can pay me later. right? And the idea of paying later was a lot heavier. right? This is what I mean. We can face divine judgment now rather than later. We can. We can fold our hands, close our eyes, bow our heads, and we can, we can confess our sinful thoughts. We can confess our, our, our selfish words and our selfish actions to God. We can put them right out there before Him every day, multiple times during the day. We can surrender our selfish motives our greedy consumption and use of people and things, our laziness and service, our hard and unloving hearts, we can surrender them. We can pray then for the strength and wisdom to repent. And we can turn our eyes to heaven with hope. And there we can trust that what Jesus did on the cross was, was enough. When He says it's finished, it's finished. When he says, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. That's what he's saying to you when we confess, to me, when I confess. Yes, Father, that human, that child, that redeemed one, they don't know what they're doing, but I receive their confession, I hear their confession, and Lord, with my cross, I say to them, I'm offering them my forgiveness. I earned it and I'm giving it to them. All the consequences of sin paid for by the Son of God who sacrificed Himself on the Roman cross. We can receive that loving gift of divine forgiveness. We can receive it every day. Every day. So with that in mind, think about this. If all of our daily wrongs, and if all of our sinful condition has been confessed and forgiven daily, what will be left on judgment day to judge? Nothing. There will be a pure and blamelessness on the day of Christ's return because Christ has daily forgiven us and daily healed us 
And Daly said, I've died in their place. They can come home. That's heaven. That's how Christians can approach the final day with hope. Now, that statement, you can pay me now or you can pay me later, it, it keeps going, though. The other option is to avoid thinking about the second coming of Jesus and the final judgment altogether. Pretend that it's not happening. Just live in the moment and forget the future. We can avoid daily repentance, confession, forgiveness. We can remain in our sinful thoughts and words and actions. We can remain on a path that is independent of God and determined by our desires and our intelligence and our abilities. We can do that. We, can, we have been given free will by our Lord. Because if love's not free, it's not love. So He gives us the choice. Are we going to love Him or not? It's freely given. You get to do it with what you choose. So that free will has been given. You can remain in charge of your agendas. You can take um, your chances on facing God and God's judgment later when all people would be judged. But know this, from what I've read, Jesus and what Jesus has said, the ones who are focused on the world now, who put off repentance, who reject confession, and who pass by God's forgiveness until the final day of judgment, those people generally don't have a pleasant experience. Actually, it's described as hell. An eternal punishment, fires, weeping, gnashing of teeth. You can pay me now. You can pay me later. A little boy who didn't understand winter, nor had any experience with winter, was overwhelmed by it. In time, though, with the help of loved ones, he gained experience and understanding of winter and actually came to enjoy winter greatly. In today's Gospel lesson, people who don't know Jesus and experience Jesus, people who don't understand what He has taught, can be overcome by events in life and the thoughts of the end judgment to come. So God, through the church family of old, gives the church family of now the words of Jesus. This gift is given so that we can know Jesus. So that we can experience Jesus and His truth. So that we can understand His universal, sovereign love. And in all times and in all circumstances, Repent, confess, be forgiven, and have hope. There will be a final day of judgment before the next time of creation begins. So step up to the day of judgment now. Repent now. Right? Repent. Turn your face to God now. Confess now. Just put it all out there. Admit it. And then receive God's mercy and forgiveness now. God so loved that He sent His Son for you. He didn't send His Son to us so He could condemn us. He sent His Son so that we could be saved through Him. That's a loving thing. Our part is just simple. Confess, admit we need it. Seek a right relationship with God now. And heaven's ways of now conform our lives to His. Not the world's. Know this judge personally. 
and trust in your Lord and Savior now so that on that last day we can say what Jesus said to his friends. Stand up. Raise your heads. Lift up your eyes. Hope because your redemption has come near. God help us be this church. Amen. Let's declare our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of His Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and he was made man. He was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and on the third day he rose again to the scriptures and ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge us death. His kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for forgiveness of sins and the work for the resurrection of the dead and life in the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for God's people. Heavenly Father, we thank you that as your children we come to you in every circumstance of life, in times of plenty and in times of want, in times of success and in times of failure. We know your God, so we come in humility, claiming no merit of our own, but wholly praying in Jesus' name. We give you thanks for your love, your goodness, and your forgiveness. Lord, in your mercy. Lord Jesus, unite us in a common faith and family at our baptism. If it gives you glory, lead us and guide us as we strive to live out our baptismal promises. Create a hunger in us for hearing your word and worship. Create a thirst in us for receiving you in prayer and sacrament. Lord, in your mercy. Holy Spirit of God, we thank you for calling us here today. We thank you for opening our eyes, ears, minds, and hearts to your plans and possibilities. If it gives you glory, inspire us to shine your holiness as we work, play, and interact with our community this week. Give us courage to surrender to you and serve those around us. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, it gives you glory and receive our prayers for those we know and love you and love who are in need of your strength and comfort and healing. We pray especially for those we name in our hearts now. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we prayed. We will trust in you and your mercy. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. No prayer is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Sending him is Lord, I lift your name on high. Oh, 